What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. Hey, what's up, Dream Nation? Casanova here, and today I'm super excited to be sharing with you all something that when I learned it, it changed my entire world. And that is the mindset of should you be a solopreneur or should you be an entrepreneur? And what does that even look like? So I kind of want to back it up a little bit and talk to you all about when I first learned that there was a difference between an entrepreneur and a solopreneur, it was something that was changing, life-changing for me. Why is because when I first got into the business of real estate, I'm sure I was like so many people out there that when you're coming from a W-2 job, when you're coming from a nine to five working for someone else, so much of the time you're not feeling like you're getting maximum effort or maximum rewards out of your maximum efforts is the better way to put it. And so for me, I wanted to really try my hand at being my own boss. I wanted to make sure that I could control my own time. I could control my own income. I could take vacations when I wanted to. And I'm sure if you're like me, you're probably doing the same thing, especially if you're in the sales world. In the sales world, you're only getting a percentage of everything that you sell. And so that was something that I was like, okay, I want to be my own boss, but what does that really mean? How can I start my own business? And so I was fortunate enough that somebody had told me to research about small businesses. And I was like, okay. So I went and I researched about it and there was a stat that came up, which was so powerful for me. And so that stat was 20% of all small businesses fail in the first year. 30% of all small businesses fail in their second year. 50% of small businesses that are left after fail after five years, and then 70% of all small businesses fail within their 10th year in business. And that's according to the Bureau of Labor of Statistics. So basically the business employment dynamics is what they call it. And so that was so crazy to me because it's when everybody wants to jump into the small business or, or starting their own business, a lot of the times you see all of the goods that come with it. You see that people are controlling their own time, but you don't necessarily know what are the pitfalls and how successful can you be? Because if you look at everything, as long as you take a calculated risk, then you'll be successful. And that's what I talk about all the time. The problem is so many people do not take calculated risk. They just jump all in. So when I first seen that, I was like, man, okay, so what can I do to be on the other side of that? And so I went a step further and I really started to research, okay, why do certain businesses succeed versus why certain businesses fail? And so going off of that, I was doing a little bit more research and I wanted to know, okay, what was the percentage of businesses that were surviving? And so basically, if you just flip it on its other side, if 20% is failing, then that means 80% of businesses, they will survive in the first year because of something, right? And and then 70% of businesses uh, survive in the second year because of something. 50% of businesses survive in their fifth year because of something, and only 30% of businesses will survive past their 10th year. So for me, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm researching, and I'm like, okay, well, what are those businesses that are surviving, and what's the reason that they're surviving? And so it blew me away, but what I found out was that 65% of all small businesses, they fail because of one of two reasons. 
The first reason is because there's no market or there's no need for their services. So that's super big because a lot of the times when we get in, we're thinking, oh, we just want to do something that we're passionate about. Well, I was at a conference, what, this was a couple weeks ago. I was at the ET One Percenter conference. And CJ, CJ uh, Quinney, he had said, your passion will have you going broke. Right. Go after the profit. Find out where there is a need at. And so that stuck with me. I've heard it before. But when he said it in that manner, because somebody raised their hand and was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm stuck on this. I want to go after my passion, but I don't know if, they, if there's a need for this. And he was like, OK, well, you got to figure out you got to survey the market, whoever your target audience is and figure it out, because otherwise that passion will have you going broke and you won't make it very long. So that was one. It was because there's no need or no market for their services or their products. So you got to make sure that you go and you survey the market. The second reason was 23% or so out of the 65%, 42 um, fail because there's no market or there's no need. 23% of that 65%, they failed because they didn't have the right team running their business. Right? Let me say it again. 23% of that 65% that failed, it's because they did not have the right team that was running their business. And so that ties into the difference of a solopreneur and an entrepreneur. And why is that? Is because when we first start out, a lot of the times we didn't have any help. Like we we don't have a lot of resources. Maybe we don't have a lot of capital. So we're saying, okay, we can't hire other people. We're going to do it all on our own. But that's the wrong mentality because then eventually what happens, you start to burn out. You start to think, you know what, I don't need anybody else. I'm going to do it all myself. So if you're the janitor, if you're the marketing person, if you're the salesperson, if you are the employee and the CEO, right? If you're the assistant, I, you know, there's a quote that I always tell people, and this is something I learned early on in my real estate career. And when people ask me, agents specifically, when they say, how do you know when it's the right time to hire help? Right. And, and I think it's the right time to hire help when you can say, OK, here's the amount of money that I'm bringing in. And let's say that based off of your hours that you're working and the income, you got to work backwards. Let's say that you've calculated that your time is worth. Let's use for simple numbers, one hundred dollars an hour. So if you're getting paid one hundred dollars an hour to do whatever the task is that you are doing, if you can find someone else to take care of some of these tasks, which are not relationship building or revenue producing tasks, then I think you should hire it out, especially if you can hire it out at 12 to $15 an hour, because it allows you to focus on other things that are going to bring you that income. You know, there's a lot of the times nowadays where I'm hiring things out and people that are more in that solopreneur mentality, whether it might be cutting the grass, whether it might be figuring out how to do some plumbing, whatever it is, I understand that you want to try your hand at a lot of different things. But again, I think you always got to be evaluating what is my time worth? And can I hire someone else to come get that done? Because in the same amount of hours, if my time is worth $500 an hour and it takes me four hours to complete a task, that's $2,000. Could I have hired someone else to come do that same task where maybe I was only paying them $25 an hour, which means that it would have been at $100 $25 an hour for four hours is $100 is what I paid them as opposed to me going out there and one being able to spend more time 
with my family, being able to build better relationships, reach out to more people to get them on the podcast or figure out where I can go speak at and impact and influence someone else, being able to bring in another coaching student. All of these things are going to pay me more. And more importantly, I have to be cognizant of my energy. And what do I mean by that? I mean that if I know that this is going to cause me frustration, most likely after those four hours are up, I one maybe didn't complete the task to the best of my ability so I'm now I'm frustrated or even number two now I have to hire a professional so it's going to cost me even more because I didn't do it you know to the level that I really anticipated that it would be completed at in the beginning so as a solopreneur when we first start out I understand that we don't have a lot of capital but you have to understand as well when you're starting up a business the goal is to graduate to an entrepreneur so what does that mean? Well, I want to break it down and I want to tell you the top four things that I've learned about being an entrepreneur as opposed to a solopreneur and how you can build that for your business, hopefully, and how you could start out the right way. Number one, you have to think of your business and everything that you put into your business as an investment. I've learned early on that solopreneurs, they aren't really willing to take those risks. So what do I mean by that? They'll do everything themselves, but anytime they hear a price, they already associated with the cost instead of an investment, right? And they look at things in a small like micro level as opposed to looking at it at the big picture. You got to look at everybody that you hire, every piece of equipment that you buy, every dollar that you invest, it has to be looked at as, okay, this is to help me get closer to my long-term goal. This is to help me keep running the marathon rather than the sprint. Because every day that you stay in business, we just talked about the amount of people, amount of businesses that don't make it to year one, year two, year five, and definitely year 10. So how do the certain people stay in business? Well, one is they understand that everything is an investment. Every day that you wake up and you can still open up your doors, you're winning. Right. So so understand that I got to keep putting dollars to work for me. I understand. But at the same time, it is going to help me stay in this race longer because it is a marathon and not a sprint. Number two, they understand that they need to be working on their business instead of in their business. So what do I mean by that? I mean that every single day you have to decide where you're going to put your energy and where you're going to put your time, because at the end of the day, keep in mind that you're going to give something up. You're going to give up sleep. You're going to give up maybe going to the gym and your health. You're going to give up your time and your energy. You're going to give up a lot of meetings. Okay, so you need to be figuring out what are the small tasks that I can delegate to someone else so they can do those. So then it allows me to focus on the big picture. I had watched a video, and this is of Jeff Bezos. Anybody who doesn't know Jeff Bezos, he is the CEO and founder of Amazon. So the richest man in the world. And he talked about him as a senior executive, which for you, if you have a small business, you're going to be a senior executive. He said, if you think about what the job of a senior executive is, it is to make high level decisions, right? And you really probably only need to make one to two high level decisions every single day. 
right? So don't think that you got to do everything. I know that this was a huge struggle for me in the beginning. When I was first starting out my real estate career, I felt like I had to be the person. My business couldn't run without me. Well, you're absolutely right. It couldn't because I wouldn't allow it. And that mindset kept me frustrated because I was doing everything. I was showing the houses. I was also at every home inspection walkthrough. I was also at every closing. And I remember talking to another super successful agent here in my town and he has one of the best the biggest teams in the country and he was like I, I told him one day we're at a networking event and he was in I was like hey I gotta go to this closing and he's like why are you still going to closings and I'm like well I don't he was like you should have somebody else on your team going to those closings like you should be out there prospecting for another deal you've already got them to the finish line now I understand exactly what he meant. For me, I wanted to be there because I felt like that was the solidifying of, you know, someone working with me when I can get him to the closing table and I used it for branding and marketing. If you go back and you look at all of my pictures, I have every single one of my clients take a picture of me in the end with my soul sign. So that was the reason why I like to do it. But I completely understood what he meant. And I was, again, trading my time for money. I was working in the business instead of on the business. Now I have other people show how houses for me, right? And I pay them a very small fee, right? And then once it's time to put the contract together, I could still have someone else do that as well. But I choose to still do a lot of those things just because it is a part of my brand. But you got to analyze is your face-to-face interactions with your clients what really sells? For me and in the real estate game, it is. So that's why I wanted to make sure I could keep as much face-to-face with them because in the world of real estate today, Today, everything's becoming so automated and everything's becoming so much online that you can lose that and then you lose the reviews, you lose the referrals. There's a lot of things. But again, if you're in the e-commerce business or if you're in something else, maybe that's not the right way for you to be going about it. Maybe you should be doing more face-to-face with your clients or doing more videos. Whenever someone buys one of your products, you send them a video message that says, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for the support. If there's anything that we can do, please reach out to me. Personally, I want to be able to make sure we get your situation taken care of. It's hard for you to do that if you're also running your Facebook ads, if you're also running your email marketing, if you're also the person meeting with your engineer to develop the product, if you're also running the backside of your website, all of those things are going to take up your time and your energy. So you have to start working on your business and empowering people rather than working in your business. Number three, you got to understand that it's more about management and delegation than control. A lot of the times when we first get in, we're like, we got to do everything. And I completely get it. Trust me when I tell you not too long ago, I was there. But when you start to manage other people and you start to empower other people, you're going to start to understand that you're going to go faster and further because now you've allowed somebody else to take something off of your plate. So now once you get comfortable with them and they understand your swag, they understand how you operate and they know the mission, the vision and the values of your company. Now they're going to take it and run with it like it's their baby. So you got to understand that you got to let go of control. And then we manage. There's a book out there called Leaders Eat Last, and it's written by Simon Sinek. And he says, imagine a world where almost everyone wakes up inspired to go to work, feels trusted and valued during the day, then returns home feeling fulfilled. This is not a crazy idealized notion today in many successful 
successful organizations, great leaders are creating environments in which people naturally work together to do remarkable things. To me, that's empowering and managing. You can't do that if you're a control freak. If you're looking at businesses nowadays, there's so many times that the assistants or maybe even the whole team is operating remote. Sometimes that's out of the state. Sometimes that's even out of the country. You got to understand that you got to adapt. There's going to be people that don't want you looking over their shoulder every single day. As long as you set the right expectations, you have benchmarks on exactly where you're trying to get to at the end of the day as long as they do their job to the best of their ability and they get you the result you can't be controlling you have to focus on being empowering so that's the third one you got to make sure that we focus in on management and delegation right telling other people what we need setting the right benchmarks rather than focusing on control because eventually what we're going to do is we're going to run down our staff and they're going to leave us and now we're back to that one man operation and it's hard to scale that way And that brings us to last but not least, you have to have a big vision that allows you to scale. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that if you're going to be an entrepreneur, your vision has to be casted without you being the front runner of it. Reason being is because unless you're building your personal brand where you're never going to be able to separate from it, you have to make sure that you can sell this business at the end of three, five, 10 years, 20 years, whenever it is. And so if you're the face of the whole business and you're the only one working there, somebody else most likely is not going to want to buy your business because then they lose you. But if you've created your business based off of systems and teams and a database, then you're going to be fine. And I don't care if you're online or if you're offline, your business has to be based off of systems and people around that know how to operate those systems. If you are a solopreneur, you probably don't operate as disciplined as you need to off of systems and so when 10 years 15 years 30 years down the road comes and maybe you have now made enough money your family's well off and you just want to sell the business and go travel the world it's hard for you to do that if still you're the person that's always worked in the business and you don't have a team that's helped you to just work on the business so hopefully this all makes sense When I first started out, just like so many other people who just want to get out of this nine to five, they want to be their own boss. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to understand as well, at one point you were an employee. What were the reasons that made you leave? Was it because you were getting micromanaged? Was it because that you felt like you weren't being paid enough for your efforts? Is it because that you felt you couldn't ever take any time off without being hassled? You couldn't never take vacations with your family because the rest of the team wasn't putting up their part. So then your manager put that blame on your shoulders. All of these things you have to think about once you start your own business because you have to make sure that you don't do those things and that you empower and that you really delegate to your staff the vision of where everyone will be as long as everyone does their job. Right. So that's my tips for you all today, Dream Nation. As always, if you've gotten anything out of this episode, reach out to me. Let me know Facebook, Instagram. I'm always on Instagram or leave me a review, especially if you have iTunes. I would love to get a review. I would love to hear your feedback. It'll keep me knowing that I am giving value out and that you love these episodes so I can keep bringing more and more and more. My goal is to just serve each and every one of you all. I know that there's questions. I know that there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of worry. But at the same 
same time, we're dreamers. And what that means is there's a lot of excitement. And as long as we can take some action with some tactical tips, I know that that means that we can turn our dreams into reality. And that's all I'm trying to do. So I'll see you on the next episode. I appreciate you listening again. And as always, remember, in the dream we trust.